Welcome to Soul Story, a Through the Breach actual play podcast set in the world of Malifaux, interview edition. We have Mike here, who is going to be our last interview of the week, and our last new cast member. So everyone, at the live audience that we have, just give a big, loud applause for Mike. Yes, the last, the last new, no one will come after me. No one, never, not once. I mean, don't jinx it, man. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't put that evil on me. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're unfamiliar with our interviews, Mike or our audience, this kind of goes in three different phases. We have our intro questions, which is the questions that we ask everybody on the network. And it's just kind of ways to get to know Mike on a vague level. And then I have some questions of a more personal nature, which makes it sound like it's an after dark thing. It's not. It's just like questions actually pertain to Mike versus a vague subset. And then we round it out with 10 lightning round questions, half of which everyone on this interview set has been asked. The other half are just, you know, questions I felt like asking. Obviously, in lightning round, you're going to go as fast as you can. Oh, but before that, I forgot. We do a time capsule part two. Three questions that we will ask Mike. We'll get some answers. And then like in a year or like when a season's over or whatever, we'll go back as a big old crew and listen to what everyone's predictions of the show were at the beginning. That's my favorite part. Nice. So are you ready, Mike? Are you ready to be interviewed? I am. Cool. All right. I'm ready. So we start off pretty easy. How did we meet each other? Hmm. It was a dark, dark day. No, uh, <laughs> actually, I believe we started when other Alex invited you to join the Firefly podcast. I, I like that he gets to be other Alex now. <laughs> yeah right well i mean you know you're alex prime here right obviously I, i'm more upset alex the destroyer didn't catch on over in firefly land but you know next time there was only so much time <laughs> but yeah and it was a lot of fun to do season six with you and we also did a brief one shot for the firefly show as well where i was able to do a malifaux game that tied into our season one so we had your character jump in for a little bit in that, and we had Aaron and Dave, I think, and maybe, I can't remember, did we have more than three? I think it was just, it was a small group that time. I think it was a very small group that time. But it was rad, and I remember us sitting and bullshitting for a while. I was like, wow, Mike's pretty rad. So my follow-up question then is, besides the fact that I am perfect in every way possible and Soul Story is the best podcast out there, naturally, what made you want to join Soul Story? Well, see, it's it's funny that you brought up that uh, little one shot that we did. Um, so when you did that, I was very surprised by the depth of everything in Malifaux. The system itself is a little aggravating at times, <laughs> but like just the story, I was like, wait, but, but why does like it? I just kept asking those questions, but why is this this way? And why are these people this way? And why is there this large mysterious organization? And, why does mad you know i was just like oh this is uh very rarely in D D do you really get to ask the why questions of the world you know i mean i don't know you just you kind of assume a lot yeah. and malifaux was the unassumable i like it i think that it's like a good draw to malifaux that i i haven't defined myself that's a good way of putting it down and uh okay I mean, I know you're a busy guy, but do you have time to listen to other shows? Like, do you listen to podcasts? I do, slash I did. Um, so I was originally listening to a lot at work. 
Um, but my job kind of increased in scope in a way that I find it very hard to listen to people talking when I am writing something as dry as a contract. <laughs> it doesn't work unless you want to get like weird things like rolling advantage randomly in the text of my contract or something like that. So I used to do it at work. It just hasn't really been a thing over the last year or so. Um, and there's been a lot of other things going on. So, I mean, well, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, it seems. I haven't had a chance to catch up on a lot of the things that I was listening to. Uh, most notably, one of the first things I got into was We're Alive. Okay. And they had this thing come out and i have not yet i listened to like the first three episodes and then i just stopped because i just didn't have the time and i'm like ah i really love that show do you have like some favorites from back when you were listening more regularly well yeah like i just said we're alive um i also listened to the other podcast that i started on which is uh cthulhu and friends which was rebranded as welcome to saint paxton (laughs) i like that your show is one of your favorites I feel like I've talked to a few people in interviews and they always want to promote other shows or like other things, but like support your own stuff, right? Hopefully you like the content you're making in theory. (laughs) I don't know. I like different things. Um, Adam Bash's Sayer Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite because it's just so interesting. I don't know. I like those interesting things, little niche things. I mean, I'd hope you like interesting things, right? How I really enjoy boring things. Well, I mean, I write contracts for a living. <laughs> I've chosen a career of boring. Which is why you need the exciting podcasts. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so how long have you been gaming? Whether it's like role play or video games, board games, how long have you been a gamer? Since I was five. Wow, you know like the number off the top of your head. I'm impressed. Yep, because I was playing Dragon Warrior when I was five. That's also when... I don't know, we first got a Nintendo. Ah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember memories before that of playing games, but not really, like, wanting to play games so much as I was just a kid and I want to get my hands in it, you know. <laughs> but I remember playing Dragon, the first Dragon Warrior, now rebranded as Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was always, but, you know, it was Americanized at the time. <laughs> and playing through all of that and just really loving that, that and Zelda 2... And it wasn't, I didn't really get into role-playing games until much later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, My brothers, I'm the youngest of six. Whoa. So um, I have three brothers and two sisters. And my brothers were playing this game called Champions. And it's like a a superhero-based game. And so what got me was on the character sheet was like this kind of androgynous superhero that you could then illustrate the way you wanted to and oh. make it whatever. And I don't know, that always appealed to me because I would want to draw stupid pictures. <laughs> <laughs> how, how stupid are we talking? Uh, I don't remember when, I don't know how old I was. It was under 10. Oh, so good. we're pretty good. stupid. My probably best memory of that game was you had to roll D 100s, which I've always just been like, that's, that's not a way to do <laughs> I don't know, something like D20 speaks to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but like D100 is just like weird. And so you like roll to hit and then you'd roll like a location on the body. So I like I totally epically killed this dude by shooting the gun, but it hit him in the foot. And I don't know. I just I remember that in my brain, the bullet just like went boo. <laughs> 
like just like a pea shooter, like gravity affected it overly too. I curved it into his foot, you know. But not the cool kind of curve. Yeah, but like lame, but he died anyways. And I was like, yes. (laughs) So I don't know. Okay, so if you've been playing since, if I say like as if I somehow doubt you, since you've been playing since you were five, playing that long usually means you've gained some gaming superstitions. I'll say usually, not everyone's superstitious. Do you have any gaming superstitions? Um, there are bad dice, yeah. and they deserve to be destroyed. Destroyed? I mean, you you know, you have those bad dice. They're dice that just never roll well. Now, of course, that isn't necessarily a, super, a superstition. It could just be a manufacturing glitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ideally, your dice would be weighted to where everything is equally probable. But, you know, you just have those dice that always lead you astray. And you should just get rid of those. But then you'll have dice that, like sometimes lead you astray and then you just set those aside for a while as punishment <laughs> i mean i don't know do you do you test drive your dice i do i'm like okay how are these doing Ooh, no these are a no all right how are these doing okay maybe how are these doing yes this is what i'm going with and the only thing it doesn't affect is dming if i'm dming it's like of course everything's neutral well you also historically have some pretty terrible random number generation Yes. I mean, that's the uh, goof behind my name. One gaming lane is because I traditionally roll one whenever it's really critical that we don't. (laughs) I never knew the origin. I I always thought I had a good rhythm to it, but I didn't. Yeah, I know. Now we know. Origin unlocked. I used to work at a comic shop and I did it for almost 10 years. I say comic shop. It was, you know, RPGs, board games, a little bit of everything. And my favorite thing in the world was to help people find dice because it was like helping a, a wizard find their wand. It was finding the right set of dice, letting them roll it on the counter, which was one of those things that was like by preference of the clerk at the time. I did it every time unless we were super busy. But other people are like, no, I don't want to take the time to watch you roll dice. So that way you don't steal dice because some people are shitty. But also you don't always get the dice in the first try. Sometimes people will sit there for an hour rolling dice. And you're just like, okay, well, if you're like, if you're like me, it's like, no, you got to find the right dice. However, Mike, have I ever told you, you, you were onto something with the mic manufacturer, mic manufacturers, the dice manufacturing glitches. Have I told you the hack to the perfect dice? Mm-mm. Okay, so here's the thing. Big companies in particular, like something that rhymes with Hessex, they have opaque and clear dice, right? And their opaque dice, they get to cool faster than their clear dice. Because if the clear dice has bubbles, they can't sell them, or they don't like to sell them unless that's part of the whole design of the set of dice. The opaque, they don't give a shit, because it is an aesthetic, right? It gets covered, it's no big deal. Yeah, you're not going to be looking at the insides. Exactly. So those air bubbles, though, will definitely change the weight and the way your dice rolls. So that's big thing number one. You want to make sure your dice are clear rather than opaque. Two, even though the shit looks cool, don't put shit inside your dice. The, the sparkles, the random things, because that's going to change the weight of your dice. And then the third one is you want dice that have sharp edges. So again, the place, the company that rhymes with Mermix has really rounded dice. Yes, I've noticed that. <laughs> so that's not good for, for RNG. You want something with nice, crisp, hard lines, because that actually helps the balance of the roll more and more likely to stop rather than just rolling forever. And I say that as more of a D20, like you're not going to... 
it's hard to have rounded edges on a d4, right? They're there, but the, the significance isn't as impactful as, say, on a d20 or d12. So there are your pro tips, Mike, and audience, if this gets left in. That's how you find the perfect set of dice. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> now that I've monologued, what has been your biggest gaming fuck-up? I think we all have a story about how we were the hero and how we saved the day, but the stuff that I really care to hear about is the time that you just fucked over the party or fucked over your buddy while playing a video game. What has been your biggest gaming mistake? God, this is all based on my childhood. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay, so Legend of Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite Legends of Zelda. I mean, obviously, like the new ones are pretty dang cool and they don't compare to the old ones. But the old ones, to me, as a very young man, were mind shattering Mm -hmm. so we used to rent games a lot um and this one in particular often from a local gaming store and movie rental place for all of you youngins that don't know that that was a thing at one point um and my brothers had gotten to the very very end which is like you fight this shadow link and it's impossibly hard Mm -hmm. well my dumb ass saved over that file oh no and probably erased i don't know like two weeks of work oh no because <laughs> you know like these old school video games like mm-hmm. there are no shortcuts no and like in that one in particular there's like an rpg element where you have to like level up because you would um get these points and or these like trinkets and things that would give you points and then you would spend it into like attack or defense or magic you know, and so like you had these options and I always thought that was cool because you could basically like grind and get better. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm, nope, they ground and I ground it into dust. I'm just going to say, I think it's really cool that we have a ghost on the show because your brothers obviously killed you after that. Oh, yeah. I was not a family favorite at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, is that one of those things that gets brought up every now and again still or is it water under the bridge? I don't know. I don't bring it up. <laughs> I mean, that's really ancient history for them, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my nearest brother in age is seven years older than me. So gotcha. I, I was like six or seven at the time. Oh, wee thing. And so, I mean, you know, like if you're going to really hold a grudge on a six or seven year old, then, you know, damn, you got issues. <laughs> I don't have any siblings myself, so I don't understand sibling dynamics and how often people give each other shit for little things. That seems like something that could be remembered, but also, you know. Never again. All right. Well, that's all I have for our intro questions. Are you ready to get a little personal? Yeah. I keep now saying that we've it delved voice. into my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get more personal, deeper and deeper. So, I'm laying down on the couch now. <laughs> Is it like one arm up? That's like fingers drumming on the side. All right. As one of our most veteran podcasters. Do you mind telling us how you got started on this podcasting journey? Ah, yes. This is, I don't know, somewhat of an interesting story. I'm pretty sure I've told it to somebody at some point. Probably. But um, uh, an old Air Force buddy of mine, Josh, uh, I introduced him and his wife, Veronica, to D&D way back in the day when we were still working on Luke Air Force Base. Anyways, uh, he got out of the military, moved to Texas, I really actually heard from them in a a great deal of years. And, you know, I moved on to other things, eventually found my way back to Arizona, um, also getting out of the military. And so he just called me up one day because 
I've apparently had the same cell phone number since I was a teenager. <laughs> so Josh calls me up out of the blue and he said, hey, Mike, um, how would you like to play a game like online with us? And I was like, ooh, I don't know. Would that really work? Is that like a thing? And he's like, yes, it is. He's like, also, it would be recorded. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, because we're going to we're going to do a podcast. And I'm like, oh, OK, that sounds neat. I'm like, so what is a podcast? And he's like, oh, OK, you never like heard like the NPR or anything. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so he belabors this point. And we're like, OK, well, it's, it's like Internet radio which I don't know is the most accurate description of what a podcast is. But uh, needless to say, I was like, oh, I didn't know that this was a thing that people did. Uh, and so he started explaining like the type of podcast, Cthulhu and Friends, uh, obviously an HP Lovecraft themed um, actual play where we go and experience horrible things as uh, a person. And, but we, you know, but it was uh, developed to be kind of a, like a radio drama with uh, working on that production values and things of that nature. I was like, well, that sounds cool. It's a bit different. And I wouldn't be DMing, which is what I traditionally had only done. I'd be a player. So I was like, yeah, I'm down. Let's do that. So that was it. I was on board. I mean, it was also because one of his other friends dropped out of it. So I was like his second or third <laughs> on the feeling. list, but but hey, I, I made it and that was my debut. So, I mean, we still live in 2020. There's still a lot of people who don't really know or know podcasting or understand podcasting. How long ago was this for you? Like when you were learning about podcasting? 2011, maybe 2012. Okay. So not quite a decade, but you know, around there. Yeah, I think it was 2012. It had to have been because I was in a different house at the time. With that amount of experience, do you have any advice for people who are trying to start out their own podcast? Yes. Production value is very important because no matter how awesome your thing is, if people are turned off by the sound of you sounding like you are coming through a, a tinny uh, gaming microphone, it's just, it's not going to work. Um, and then likewise, you know, content is king. But at the same time, you have to have something interesting, a way to set yourself apart that would draw in an audience to say, well, why would anybody listen to you? Which isn't to say, ah, well, that's bad. But <laughs> why would I stand out from my peers? Something of that nature, which, of course, it's it's podcasting is an extremely crowded field. I mean, much like YouTubing and, and whatnot is. But obviously, people still make it big. Mm -hmm. People still go and do a lot of things. And I mean it's fun to do. It's, it's, it's a hobby and it's an expensive hobby, but, <laughs> but I mean, what hobby isn't, what real hobby isn't expensive? I think it depends on, on uh, what you're, what you're doing, right? Obviously getting the right equipment can get really expensive real quick, but it's more like buying a house. Once you have it, you have it. And like That's buying true. cigarettes, right? Where you have to kind of keep updating stuff. At least consumables, right? And then I would say you have your editors and the people who are running games. I mean, it's it's just like any DM who's running a table, right? There's a lot more time that goes into it than just showing up on time. So there's like the expense of time, which not a lot of people take into consideration, right? But I agree. It's an expensive hobby, even if it's not necessarily monetary expensive. 
Well, and speaking of editors, I mean, worth their weight in gold, regardless of their size. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, about production values. Uh, Editing is not a fun job. And the people who enjoy it, like the people like me who enjoy writing contracts, uh, just just, uh, a big thumbs up to those people because it's a very uh, important job and somebody has to do it. But nobody wants to. And people who have a, a passion and a skill set for it, an ear for it, are few and far between. What do you think is harder to find? A DM for a new table or an editor for a new podcast? Editor? DMs? <laughs> people just be like, sure, I'll try. You, you're like, do you, if somebody just says, hey, I'll try editing, you're like, no. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you, but No. Oh, yeah, I guess there's that. I'll try editing. Like, that made my spine curl, so... <laughs> right? Uh, which is bad, because I, I had no experience before starting Soul Story. That was my... I'm like, well, I'll try it, I guess. Holy hell. The last note I'll make about at least your, your podcasting history is I just think it's really cool. One of the first podcasts I ever listened to was Cthulhu and Friends. Now, welcome to St. Paxton. And it is just cool that I get to game with you once a week now. And I'm like, oh, man, I remember sitting in my office listening to OG Cthulhu and friends and be like, wow, these guys seem really cool. And I'm not wrong. Uh, Hero ended up (laughs) helping us out a whole bunch in the beginning when I had a bunch of editing questions. So your whole crew over at Welcome to St. Paxton has been very choice and helpful. I think they're pretty cool people. I'd hope so. I mean, you've been with them a while. Yeah. (laughs) So you, you did mention being enlisted. What made you want to join the Air Force? Well, all of the males in my family have been in the military one way or the other. I had two brothers that were in the Army that were man-pad missile launchers, which is a fancy way of saying they shot down planes. Uh, one brother that was in the Navy that was a sonar tech, so aboard a submarine listening to the ocean. And then me, I was like, oh, all of that sounds not fun. I'm going to go with something that will be extremely useful on the outside. Hence, contracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I saw, my once again, the age gap between me and my brothers. My eldest brother is like 20 years older than me. Like crazy. So by the time he was ending his career, I was just getting to the point where I would be starting mine. And yeah, I mean, it's really hard to transition from the military when you do a very militaresque job function. Because, you know... Not even mercenaries really need you to shoot down planes because, you know, like, who's who's really shooting down planes? Nobody. <laughs> or not people you'd want to associate with. And, uh, yeah, they just had a heck of a time finding careers and moving on. They almost all had to just go to college just because nothing they did translated to a job. So I was like, I have a solution. Now, I didn't know about contracting at the time, but, you know, did the ads VAB and, and went to the recruiter and went to MEPS and did all their tests and duck walking and whatnot and ended up at a computer terminal with a list of all the jobs that I qualified for. Mm-hmm. So I um, had an uncle that was also in the Air Force. So I, I DSN'd him and, and he picked up the phone and then I basically read through the job list and he was like, mm, you know, if you want a family, that's not a good job. You're going to be deployed a lot doing a lot of like it was uh it and communications related stuff there was a lot of variety that i could do but i ultimately ended up with contracting just because it's a simple desk job so would you do it all over again uh yeah i mean 
I got very lucky in the the choices that I made. I wouldn't say that I necessarily had uh, a lot of agency in making some of them, but uh, getting out of the military was the best thing that anyone had ever done for me. Uh, I was medically discharged after being determined to be unfit for continued service, <laughs> medically speaking. And uh, so, I, you know, I got out, became a civilian, but did the exact same thing, but for the Department of Veterans Affairs and now later the Department of Energy. The handful of military people I've known in my life, everyone, you know, doesn't have regrets. I'm not going to make that say that everyone in the military never has regrets. But it sounds like you were smart in the path you picked and that it led to a successful civilian life, too. Yes. It just seems very smart. It seemed like the smart choice to make. Well, I relate it less to my intelligence and more to the being able to observe the poor choices of my siblings. It's like you got your cake and were able to eat it, too, that you were able to live both lives instead of getting sucked into one or the other. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've always been kind of far looking in my planning, which is why I lend myself well to DMing. <laughs> <laughs> military life. Okay, I'm not sure how many of the places you've lived have been necessarily related to military life, but you told me you kind of lived all over the place. California, Washington, Arizona, Wyoming, which I'm so sorry for. No, I loved Wyoming. Where were you in Wyoming? Cheyenne. Okay. So I was right in the bottom southeastern corner, right near Fort Collins and Denver. Oh, well, okay. So it's like, not really Wyoming. I mean, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They've got that big uh, rodeo thing there, mm -hmm. uh, Cheyenne Frontier Days. So there's all these people that come in there and there's all these bars and restaurants. It was like living the rural life, but without lacking for any of the city amenities. It was fantastic. I have family in Cody, and I love my family. I hate driving in Wyoming. Not because the landscape isn't pretty. The roads are just terrible. Yeah, they kind of forego maintenance, defer maintenance okay, yeah. um, as a cost-saving initiative. <laughs> um, they're very frugal, the state of Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a more fun topic than how Wyoming spends tax money. Let's play Fuck, Mary Kill for the places you've been. Mm. <laughs> So between California, Washington, Arizona, Wyoming, one of those places is going to be left out. But yeah, fuck, Mary kill. Hmm. Well, see, okay. I mean, California is very beautiful mm -hmm. and I love it, but I could never, ever, ever live there again. <laughs> it's too expensive. Uh, not to sway into politics, but not really a place for me <laughs> and mine. But uh, it's just got a lot of issues that I couldn't deal with. I grew up in very northern California, which is extremely different from southern California. Um, and we're talking north of San Francisco, which people somehow equate to northern California, even though it's in the middle of the state. I was going to say, I, I, was I digress. <laughs> low state, so I know nothing about California. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I lived there, but only um, until seventh grade. And then after that, I moved to Washington, where I completed my schooling and then joined the military, which, you know, obviously I did basic in San Antonio, Texas, Lackland Air Force Base. But then after that, my first duty assignment was in Phoenix, Arizona at Luke Air Force Base. Um, after five years there, I was restationed to Effie Warren, which is in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, and then after that, I got out of the military, medically discharged, as we discussed, and I found myself working back in Phoenix, Arizona. And then after that, I moved up to 
Washington on the eastern side, um, where previously I was in, you know, like the larger metropolitan area of Seattle. Now I'm on the rural side of Washington, which I like a lot better. So more to the actual question asked and not just where the heck I've been (laughs) um, and the chronology of it. Yes. California, I I could never do. Arizona is too damn hot. Uh, Wyoming, I love. So I would say, fuck Wyoming, because that's just that's that's the place, man. (laughs) 30 minutes and you could be out in the middle of nowhere and see nobody except for animals. And I don't know. It will always hold an interesting place in my heart. I really loved it. It was so beautiful. It was so neat. It was such an experience for me. Now, Mary, I would have to say Washington, because, I mean, although I, I, you know, hit Arizona twice, uh, (laughs) my return to Washington was done under kind of a duress. I needed to get the heck out of the Department of Veterans Affairs, and uh, people I worked with were awful, and nothing about the the department itself. Uh, (laughs) But I, I... didn't want to work in the Seattle area for, you know, obvious reasons. I don't like large cities. It's not my thing. Which Phoenix is a large city, but it's a large city horizontally. If that makes sense. Like <laughs> it's the big buildings are not there. It's just it just goes on forever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, eh, not really a big city, even though it's like, I don't know, like like the sixth or seventh or eighth largest metropolitan area in the United States of America, which is weird. But anyways, digressing. Um, I'd say kill, kill California. As much as I hated the heat of Arizona, I did have a good time there. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for playing that game with me. (laughs) Sorry it took so long. I'm a roundabout person. Uh, The fun thing about doing interviews with me is I just let people talk. Because that's, that's what it's about. I don't care how we get to the answer. Because you can't do it during the games, right? (laughs) Exactly. We don't have fun during games. It's only work. (laughs) And that's it. No jokes, no laughs, nothing. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, if anything we're learning is that you have lived quite the life so far. I've also learned that you were married at 18. So what advice yes. do you have for like all the couples out there? Don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know how to look back at this. I'm not saying that it wouldn't work out for you. I'm not saying that it's not a good idea. Your your mileage may vary. I'm just saying, as a young person, what the fuck are you doing making this life-altering decision when you know nothing about the world, about the other person? I mean, like, what the hell do you know about anybody in high school? <laughs> Honestly. I mean, like, you, you were in school together. Well, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> You know what subject the other hates. Uh, like, I just, I, like, I don't know. I just feel like reasons for getting married at 18 are very shallow. Not because you're a shallow individual, but because you don't have a depth of experience. How do you know what you like at that age? Now, I got extremely lucky because I still like my high school sweetheart. Aww. And we're still married today. Uh, going on 16 years next month. Congratulations. That's so sweet. Well, thank you for sharing so much about your life with us. I really appreciate it. I feel like I got to know you a little better, Mike. So, you know. Good. I'm glad. Fuck everyone else. It's all about me. Let's move on (laughs) to the time capsule questions. Time capsule, time capsule. Three questions. 
Are you ready? Okay. I am ready. Question number one. What do you think will happen in this game? Um, we have a mission that we're going on, and I think we've made good headway, but I don't know that our party has formed uh, cohesively yet. So I don't know that there's not going to be infighting and or wrong prioritization of, well, priorities. So... <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get to where we need to be. So I don't think we're going to successfully complete the main objective. I think we'll get it on the secondary or tertiary, but I don't think we will successfully complete the main objective. Interesting. I guess that means we're going to have a season three because I apparently won't let that main objective die. (laughs) Well, maybe because I see, I don't know because from what I was gathering or maybe what I'm my ear to the ground (laughs) veteran speaking (laughs) uh it sounded like you had a pretty good follow-up in case we did not do well which i highly laud you for because it's very hard to in any way plant that seed and have it come to any fruition without sounding like a a deuce ex machina or just a straight deuce uh so (laughs) fair (laughs) okay okay question number two Yes. What are you looking forward to? Yes. Yes is the answer. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, That's an interesting there answer. There are so many things. Um, the interaction between the characters. We have a very eclectic group. Uh, and it's been extremely fun just interacting. Uh, that being said, there's a very interesting storyline. All of our motivations for it aren't jiving. So it'll be very interesting, as I said, to see where we get. And I think what I'm looking forward to is the character development, especially inter-character development. Okay. Question number three. Last one. All right. What do you think your character will achieve? I think that my character will achieve redemption for past crimes. Ah. I think the way that I've been playing it and opposed to how you've set things up, I think my character will redeem what we've built in as backstory past crimes, so to speak. And it might be his dying breath. I don't know. It might be the death of him. I'm not sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he will be redeemed. I just have to warn you, the track record of people predicting their character will die in these time capitals ends up being right. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll say my experience with podcasts and my characters, I've only had a couple live over the vast number of years that I've been doing this. So, I mean, you know, just experience alone, that's where I'd hitch my bets. So, do you just not get very attached to characters? Do you end up having No, I get few... very attached to oh. characters, and I think that's why people kill them. Oh, okay. <laughs> For the emotional emotional turmoil. Well, because, you know, that. it's like if you had to pick somebody to kill, mm-hmm. you're going to pick the really interesting character, or you're going to pick the character that everybody wishes you would kill. I mean, they did it to Robin, so. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still too soon for that? I never know. <laughs> okay, Depends. well, Depends. Hey. <laughs> you nailed the time capsule part. We're almost done. We're in the fastest part. We're on the downhill slope. We're about to do some lightning questions. Historically speaking, we're supposed to do this as quick as possible. 
Some people, like myself and some other past cast members, are not very good at lightning rounds. So I will try- so two DMs doing a lightning round. Uh Uh-huh. So next week when we're done. (laughs) You know, it's it's, it's just 10 questions. So it's going to be like 12 hours. John will make it sound real quick, like 30 seconds, I'm sure. Heavily edited section. (laughs) Okay, okay. Are you ready? Are you ready to go fast? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Elves or dwarves? Elves. What has been your favorite dead character? I mean, they're technically dead. So Xander Kane. <laughs> Superhero or supervillains? Oh, supervillains. Would you rather be a DM or a player? DM. What's your favorite type of dice? Like a D20, 12, etc. Ooh. Ooh. I really like the D20, but I have to give it up for just the, the shape, the voluptuousness <laughs> of the D12. What is your favorite smell? Favorite smell? Smell. New babies. Babies just smell awesome. They're not tainted with the, I don't know, the whatever civilization gets when they're bad. You know, taint smell. That's yeah. something that should go on record. Taint smell. That's <laughs> universally a bad smell. <laughs> okay, what's your biggest fear? Biggest fear. Like, you gotta qualify this. Uh, Like, like. Things that I personally would be like, oh my god, I'm never going to do that because I'm afraid of that thing. Or like, like seeing a child die. I mean, you know. I mean, I want you to go as deep and dark as possible in this because that's the kind of person I am. But if you just want to do a phobia, that's fine too. Phobia. Claustrophobia. Specifically, uh, me and my friend were talking last night mm-hmm. about spelunking and like going into caves, not something weird. And... uh there was a part where he had to shimmy between two very close things. Um, also, if you read the Sword of Truth series, uh, the main character had to like shimmy between these like really tight space, and it just felt like the mountain was crushing him. That makes my hair stand up on end and makes me have to like wiggle my feet and toes. Like, <laughs> no, no. I can be in close spaces, but if I can move, I'm good. If I cannot move, if I am completely immobilized, no. Screams of horror. (laughs) That was a quick answer. That was the quickest answer yet. Okay, what is the best dog name? Ooh, best dog name. Well, I've had a number of dogs. I will have to say Stoddard was my favorite because it lended itself very well to ridiculous nicknames. (laughs) All right, last one. Remember, lightning round, real quick. Can you explain grapple rules to me? Death. Oh, okay. Nice. There aren't there is no grapple. The only thing you'd be grappling with is death. <laughs> no. <laughs> there is no grapple. There's only Zool. <laughs> well, that's it. We did it, buddy. We made it through the interview. We survived. All right. <laughs> Many times attempted, only once successfully completed. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you again, Mike, for taking the time. And now our audience knows you and the person behind Neil Yulini just that much better. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, well, let's go ahead and say goodbye. 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 Farewell. Farewell.